Hi everyone, uh, my name is Adam Kinder. I'm one of the co-founders at Gathered and Founds and uh, one of the co-hosts at the Leaders and Founders podcast. So um, yeah, really excited. Uh, today we're, uh, we're being joined by Ray Shuti, who is um, a Director of Engineering at Delivery Hero based in Berlin. Um, we actually did the first guest actually that we have from, uh, from Germany. So uh, we've got a couple of other really good guests in Germany who, uh, who are lined up, but uh, yeah, you're the first one flying the flag. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. Yay! And also like a good uh, guest from Germany. I'm not German, so sure. representing yeah, exactly. Berlin properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. It's a diverse, uh, diverse place, right? So it's all good. Exactly. <laughs> um, but look, so I mean, you're currently Director of Engineering at Delivery Hero. Um, prior to that, you were Head of Engineering with Wikimedia as well in, in Berlin. But yeah, just for all of the listeners and, and everyone tuning in, could you, um, yeah, just give us a bit of a background, I guess, just on, on you know, where, where you've been so far, what you're up to, and yeah, just give us a snapshot. Of course, of course. So um, about myself, I guess about to start with personal life because work is not my, my main thing in yeah. life. <laughs> um, I'm a father. Uh, I'm, a, I'm also, I have a lovely, lovely spouse at home. Um, I, uh, I'm actually an Ironman triathlon finisher. I actually finished three Ironman triathlons and I was a swimmer when I was a kid. Um, so relatively active, even though with kids it's difficult, like with a kid and soon to be two, it's really difficult. So I try still to be active and professionally, um, which is the, more the, to the topic of, uh, of today, today's discussion. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm a director of engineering. Um, I was a head of engineering. I was, uh, for the past six years, I'm doing various different types of management roles. Um, started as a team lead and kind of grew into the managers of managers that I've been doing for the past um, three years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I just had my own startup that failed, crashed and burned really fast and worked for other people's startups that crashed and burned as well. Um, actually worked for some that were sold. Um, mostly did startup routes. Funnily enough, Wikimedia and uh, Delivery Hero Now are the two companies that are not startups in my CV, like the only two. So I guess it came with age, um, trying to find something more stable. Um, but actually what I love about Delivery Hero that actually moves really fast still. So it's, it's a good combo. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, um, I think that's basically it. Maybe from before I was a manager, um, I was a full stack developer. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those rare full stack developers that was more 60, 65% front end and the 30, 35%, um, <laughs> um, 40, 35% back end, um, which is uh, the, less, the, the less common one, I guess. I think most of the time when you hear full stack developer, it's a back end developer that can do some uh, HTML. Yeah, I was sure. the other way around. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's that's, um, how, how did that come about? Just on that point. And there are so many things yeah. I, really, I really want to discuss with you because, um, I mean, as for anyone watching on YouTube, I'm wearing active wear, but I'm definitely not being very active uh, <laughs> this evening. So um, I'm really keen to get into to some of the triathlon stuff. And you've obviously run a number of marathons, of course, as well. Um, yeah. You know, it's super interesting. I think it takes a, hu- a huge amount of um, just personal grit, I guess, and determination. Um, but just, just your kind of last point there on the, on the full stack side, right? And you... Yeah. You've been managing and looking after, um, you know, developers full stack, back end, front end for, for a long time. How, how did that sort of come around? Did you, uh, did you just feel like you could do a better job on the back end? <laughs> or was it um, just a bit of a need which, which came in? Um, I actually just, it's funny. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I always remind myself as a manager, how much your first job has such huge impact on your career. Mm. I just applied for a job of a full stack developer um, about four, 15 years ago because I'm old. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the job was just being a full stack. I didn't know that I like web or not. I didn't, like, I chose web because that's what, what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, a bit before mobile became a thing. Um, and also, generally, it was, I don't know, like, uh, that was the position I got, basically. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's random, right? But it, it's interesting because then it happened. And then I had really good mentors that showed me front end and I, I guess from my perspective, at least, I, I was drawn more to the visual part because I always try to think how a user thinks about things. And it always helped me to kind of more relate to, to the front-facing stuff than actually to the back-end. So I always had to, when, when, if, you get, if you're given a decision and as a developer, you kind of do, like you choose sometimes what you work on, I always gravitated more towards uh, the front-end part than the back-end. But as I said, I, I applied for a, for a full stack position. I did front end, I did back end. I, I kind of had to do some, the both. Um, and that's how the, my career just progressed from that point on. 
Yeah, sure. And I think it's really interesting looking back, you know, the, the bigger the teams that you start to manage and look after um, as you scale teams from small to, to pretty large teams. Um, I think it's really interesting looking back because there are so many things that happen early on in your career, you know, regardless of industry, tech, non-tech, whatever it is, um, that I personally feel for, for me, um, you know, it's, it's really strange. I've had, I have, I've had really big teams for, for most of my career. It's the first time that I'm not actually really managing anyone right now. It's really, really strange because we're a new company. Um, but for you personally, do you feel that the kind of, you know, the first few things that you experienced in the first few years as a developer, that has shaped how you now work with your teams as well? Oh, most definitely. Um, I think part of being a manager, um, a lot of it is theoretical. Like you need to learn a lot, but none of it, changes the practicality of it. And I think part of what we do and the managers we had, the teams we had and the examples we actually have seen of different styles is what kind of goes into our manager, manager's toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and this is also what kind of keeps me up at night. And I, I mentioned how being a developer, your first job affects your career. Mm-hmm. Also your manager, your first manager kind of dictates your career as well, at least creates the example or a tone of how you see yourself. And that's something I think as a manager, I always try to remind myself is whenever we have those juniors come in, we need to actually make, make sure that we are building their career as well to last. Mm. Um, so yeah, th- most definitely the things that I actually touched on uh, have made me the manager I am today. Actually, when I transitioned for the first time to be a tech lead, um, which was uh, about seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. um, it was terrible. It was a terrible experience and, and because I never had a tech lead that I can actually relate to. I had a really good manager back then, but he, his style was so different than mine. And all I tried to do is to mimic him. Right. I didn't see anyone that I can actually relate to. So I just like, tried to be him. And after a year, I left because I wasn't happy. Yeah, yeah, and just being, yeah. And then seeing another manager and I, I could relate to that style a bit more made me actually a better manager today because yeah. now I can I have different people I can look at. It's, it's really strange, isn't it, I think? And what you've just said there probably resonates with so many people. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember my first manager. I was 19 working in, uh, in the city of London, really naive, you know, thinking it was going to be this, like, amazing place. And uh, I really, really enjoyed a, a big part of it. But um, I think now, I, I actually think about my first manager quite a few times in terms of how not to be a great manager. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, awesome guy. Just, you know, there, there were certain things that just didn't really resonate with me. And I didn't think, well, well, I suppose, right, just in terms of you, you can be a good person, basically, and you can look after people. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting. You don't realize at the time that they're going to have such a big impact on you. But when you then start to, you know, you see these people more than your family. You know, you've got, um, you know, a child in one of the way. I've got two young children as well. Um, you know, you need to really look after these people, I guess, as, as uh, you know, as a bit of a carer, I suppose. And you've got a big figure, a, a big kind of play, part to play in their lives. Um, so what, how did you, do you feel like you've changed as a leader over the last few years? Has it changed? Oh, oh yes. Or? Yes, uh, definitely. I mean, first of all, um, the, the entire concept of actually being a leader is a lot of it are just traits you can acquire. Um, and, and these are things that I didn't have before. So I had to change to be good at it because it's not a normal progression as you move from being a junior developer to a mid-level to a senior. The progression here is, is a fork in the road. It's basically you become a junior something and you have to start working on those things. Um, so first of all, I, I worked a lot on how I communicate Meaning, um, especially in a multicultural environment, uh, and Israelis, for example, as I am, um, we tend to be a bit more direct and sometimes um, it's soul crushing, but we don't see it because as Israelis, this is the communication style that we have. Um, but if I would say something like I would say to an Israeli in Israel, to someone here in Berlin, it actually might end up by with tears, like uh, people would cry. I, I mean, so you have to learn to to be able to, to say something, as, for me, uh, at least, I had to learn to, to say things, but to find the right words and to, to think about how it's being heard and not just what I'm saying. Sure. Um, I had to work on a lot of, on, also, it's kind of silly. We all think about this concept of uh, thought leaders, right? Like we all say smart things and we inspire, mm-hmm. but being a manager is a lot about repeating the same thing yeah. clearly and and setting up all the team to succeed uh and a lot of the times finding documents so i had to learn to be structured 
which is something I'm not. I'm a very chaotic person. But structure is something I actually had to learn to do, is how to structure my information, where to find my stuff. Yeah. Um, because all those thought leaders are lovely. And I say a lot of really, really smart things all day, and you can quote me. But if I don't, for example, find a document that puts you on vacation on time or something like that, then probably people are not going to be happy with me, right? Yeah, exactly. I think everyone has those kind of visions of, you know, standing in the auditorium and everyone's running out inspired and, you know, you're changing lives. But yeah, as you said, you know, if, if, the, uh, if the vacation form doesn't go in, then you're the bad guy. So exactly. it's, it's actually really important. <laughs> for sure. I, I think it's one of the most important things. I mean, you can be an inspirational person, mm. but then if you mess up the, the mundane things, yeah. like if you're bad at the mundane things, you're going to be a terrible manager. <laughs> and you can be a, a person who's not an inspiration. I've had managers who are like really gray, like bland type of personalities, but they are effective. Mm. Every task they had to do, they, they delivered on time. If you wanted something, they knew where to find it. They were great managers because that's what I needed from them as a person. I, didn't look, I wasn't looking for inspiration all the time. Most of the time I was looking for a document yeah, yeah, or okay. an agreement. It's like, what did that team say that we are allowed to do? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's differentiating between the two, I guess. And I suppose yeah. when, when, you're, you know, when you're junior, there, there are people that I've probably looked up to that I wouldn't look up to now, I guess. Um, you know, you kind of you think you sort of know what you want, I guess, but having somebody who is actually an effective manager and, and leader is like, super important. And that's actually more helpful, right? Um, the, the other guys are really good, maybe down the pub or in, in a bar. <laughs> of course, you can have some good chat. Um, so, I mean, look, I think personally, and most people who are, who are definitely honest have, have definitely made some big mistakes, I think, in, in leadership. And, you know, I think making some mistakes is what can really shape you as a leader, I think. I mean, are there any, you know, without kind of going really deep, are there any things top of your head that's really sort of helped to, to make you a better leader that you may have made a mistake on? Yeah, of course. I mean, I've made the insane amount of mistakes. I make mistakes every day. Yeah, sure. Um, you know where the, I think... uh, where the holiday forms are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think my biggest one was, um, let's start with the beginning. I mean, not knowing who I was when I moved to a tech lead position and thinking it was a natural progression. Mm -hmm. um, not reading books, not actually understanding that being a manager is something new. Um, was a huge mistake for me. Um, also not trying to figure out who I am as this manager. I mean, my manager when I moved to be a tech lead was, and still for me is the best manager I've ever had, mm -hmm. but I'm not him. Yeah. Meaning I am not that, um, I don't have that, um, that set uh, of, of natural uh, tools that he has, and he's not me, um, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, and I, I try to be that, and I, I, I really hated it. And I think this is, again, about finding yourself into it. That was a huge mistake. And as far as after that, um, small things like um, losing track of stuff, is, is something that sadly happens a lot, not being able to manage my time. I am terrible at that. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that I actually realized recently, and this is maybe a part of the, what I expect from good managers or from actually everyone, is to self-reflect a lot. Um, something I realized lately about myself is I actually tend to build really, really good teams, I think, I mean, at least from what I get from people. Yeah. Um, but my feeling is, it's a gut feeling that when I leave, people tend to leave. So I, I have this really good relationship with people because I shield them from problems, but I, I'm not able to make it sustain when I leave, which is not a good thing. Um, I need to find a way to work on that. But all of those and, and so many more are mistakes I'm doing every, all the time. So, yeah, of course, you know, yeah, definitely. And like no one, no one is perfect, right? <laughs> you know, you, you're going to continue to make them as, as everyone is. Exactly. Um, and I think as well, you know, from, from my perspective, I think so in, in the, the, the sales industry as a whole, um, I think a lot of people are thrown into management and leadership probably way too early. You know, yep. normally the, the main indicator, of course, is financial performance, right? You know, how much profit and revenue you're bringing into a company. And it's almost this kind of unwritten rule that as soon as you get to a certain point, cool, you manage now. And I think there are so many people who end up managing that don't actually really want to do it, but they feel like they have to. Um, and I listened to, to one of your last pods, you were talking a little around. Uh, so yeah, you obviously run Tech Point Charlie as well, by the way, for, for everyone tuning in. One, one of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One so, of the people. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, along with uh, with your two, two co-hosts and your spouse, obviously, as well. Um, but 
I think the, the individual sort of contributor really is, is really interesting as well. We, um, we did a lot of work with, uh, with Skyscanner in the UK who, who championed this as well. Um, and it was a great sort of thing. You know, there are so many engineers as well, specifically. Yeah. That really don't want to manage it. We'd just be awful managers and admit that. So it gives people a new sort of, I guess, path to, to excel. I mean, is, is that something that you champion in your teams and you're pretty, you know, big believer in? Most definitely. I think that's, that's the, the, key, the key part of now growth in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the tech industry is really is trying to, to understand it and, and figure it out as well. So it's not like, uh, I wouldn't say it's perfect in the tech industry as well. Um, I think a really good example of a salesperson being promoted to manager, even though they weren't deserving, is Michael Scott from The Office US. I don't know if you can but <laughs> The yeah. Office US is way better. Let's, let's admit that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a cult over here in the UK, the office. So. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's the same concept of a person who was the top salesman, became a manager. And, yeah. and, uh, sucks, sucks as a manager. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's the thing, right? Like, um, but I would say this. It, there is a caveat to this. And I think this is something that I, I, I give a talk that called, uh, it's called Individual Contributors are, Should Be More Leaders Than Managers. And that's by design. Um, even though a person is an individual contributor, um, a developer, the progression of being a very senior one and then moving up the rank of being a developer and not a manager doesn't mean that you do not have to change, like to uh, grow as a leader. Mm-hmm. You are a leader, even more than a manager, because a manager has a trump card. Managers deal with Excel. And if we take the concept of we have a fork in the road where a manager manages stuff and is no longer a technical being in the sense of writing code, for example, or in sales, making sales, then um, in, that, in that path, then a very, very technical individual contributor or, or a very sale individual contributor needs to actually be able to share knowledge because they do that more. Yeah. So growing a team sharing knowledge is, is a combo of individual contributors and managers it becomes like something that you kind of need to balance together and manage together and um so i don't want that cop out to be out there that individual contributors who grow and becomes i'm a senior individual contributor which means leave me alone and let me do my work that's not a thing <laughs> sure. i am completely against that <laughs> yeah yeah of course and it's, it's so true what you touched on there and i think in the the sort of sales uh, kind of industry as well recruitment as, as a whole generally if you look through a company over like sort of three to five to seven ten years generally the people who are leading they are the best salespeople in the company but they haven't actually sold anything for years and years um and you know you have to kind of make that call and some people will always want to go one way or the other i guess um but i think you know around sort of building teams which you touched on as well um you know it's something which definitely right now is is super crucial right you know it's a pretty strange time well really strange time for everyone and you know we (laughs) We don't know how, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that quite lightly. It's, it's pretty shit, right? It's pretty bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there are more challenges which are going to come. There are more companies who are going to be, uh, be in trouble and, and experience some difficulty. So, I mean, just to take us into your team delivery here right now, it has much changed in so obviously apart from the remote working and everyone has a different environment. How does it look like for you now compared to when you first joined? I mean, besides actually working from home, um, it's basically relatively the same in the sense that um, Delivery Hero um, is doing well. I mean, it sounds terrible, I mean, to say that, but um, during Corona time, actually delivery, like food delivery became something that is more profitable. But if you think about it, it's actually really positive. I know I'm not pitching. I'm not like doing a Delivery Hero kind of pitch here. They're saying it became like one of the things that actually keep small businesses afloat i mean like small businesses who are not able to actually have people coming in or just like serving food to them Mm -hmm. that's that's their main that's their core of their business now is food delivery and some of them cannot afford to have delivery people right so you basically kind of need to find something i think in that regards actually it really also opened our business to to start delivering um groceries for example which is also became a real big thing and also which i love about delivery hero by the way is um, that we deliver medication for elderly around the world and we do that vo- like as volunteers we basically we know that there are people who cannot go outside because the elderly people are just in danger like they're endangering themselves so we actually have at a lot of places we deliver uh, medication that they need to to survive mm-hmm. uh, to their place which i i really adore so kudos mm-hmm. for for that at least 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, I've mentioned it to, to pretty much every guest we, we've had on, I think. Just the innovation side and, and collaboration, we've seen so much of it. And I think, you know, even seeing, um, I think it was at the Mercedes F1 team building ventilators for, for the NHS in the UK. Yeah. Like, there have been some crazy things. And it's, it's actually really frustrating because it's like, look, we've, most of these companies have the brightest people in the world. Like, let's apply it to something which is really, really, really going to help as well it would be great to see what what everyone can do but um, oh yeah but yeah and i think what, what you've you sort of mentioned there you know i think most countries definitely in the uk where we are um so i'm going to be splitting well i was due to be splitting most of my year between berlin and london probably won't happen now um but you know i think it's it's the local businesses which are really really suffering as well exactly um, how, how does that look in, in Berlin now? Because I know there was a bit of a, a relaxation of, of the, the lockdown. How, how, how are things currently? It's, it's a bit more relaxed. Um, I mean, it's not business as usual still, as far as like small businesses around. Um, restaurants are, you can come inside um, one at a time, basically, because most places are really small. So you cannot really have that uh, kind of relaxed environment. But you can get a lot of to-goes, which is nice. Sure. So business are reopening and you just kind of queue outside of the place, kind of make sure that you have two meters apart. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically it, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be baby steps, right? I think in terms exactly. of yeah, get, getting things back. And it should be. I mean, I read, I read a tweet recently. I'm, very, I'm too active on Twitter. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Someone should probably stop me, but uh, <laughs> I, I get a lot of wise things to say. On Twitter well. <laughs> exactly, get it out. <laughs> yeah, so I did read something that actually that, that resonated well with me. Um, at the beginning of this corona thing, we were thrown out of an airplane, right? Yep. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, we, we actually deployed a parachute, mm. which is great. Yeah. But we're still up in the air. And now if we'll keep the parachute, we'll get to the ground safely. If yeah. we'll drop our parachute, we're going to fall back again. Yeah, so yeah. basically, I really like this, this concept because, yes, baby steps. We need to actually first get to the ground and then start opening everything. Otherwise, it's just insanely dangerous. And we're just setting ourselves up for another another drop so yeah 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 of course and i think even i think even in germany there was a small spike again so you know it has to be kind of controlled um and especially with with cities with you know really big populations as well like you know berlin london for example new york etc um i know quite a few estonian guys and my, my friends who live in estonia they're like yeah it's pretty normal really but there's like nobody there <laughs> it's a big, pretty big country yeah. with not that many people <laughs> so Exactly, exactly. It's like overpopulated as well, right? Like all those places who are too busy that, uh, I don't know, the public transportation is always like insanely crowded that you kind of need to squeeze in. Yeah. Those are the places that it's, it's extremely dangerous to just loosen up everything completely. So yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, in terms of your kind of vision when you landed, so you joined in, was it November last year you joined Delivery Hero? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so around that time. So in terms of your plans as a, you know, as a director of engineering within your team, so you, you look after the logistics side, right? You operate on that side? I, I operate in logistics. Logistics is basically, um, it's a huge organization in Delivery Hero because uh, a lot of it is delivery. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, my group is within the logistics uh, sure. department. Yeah, vertical. Fine. Yeah, yeah, of course, which pretty crucial part of any business right now. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, exactly. We've seen, you know, all of the, uh, the kind of people looking after logistics for big e-commerce companies that we know, they've never been busier <laughs> or never had more, more challenges, I guess, to, to kind of look into. But um, for you sort of moving forwards now, I mean, how, how have you found, are you still onboarding people, you know, quite a lot? How, how are you finding hiring right now as well? Oh, we are onboarding a lot. Um, um, when I joined in November, I had to basically start something relatively, not from scratch, but it was, I basically kind of inherited one team and I needed to create something really big. And that yeah. team was at 50% capacity. Mm -hmm. um, I jokingly tell my counterpart, uh, Daniel is my, he's uh, leading the same group from the product side of things. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, I remember that five months ago, we are four people in a standup and now we are about 22. Okay. So we've hired insane amount of people. We sure. have still people coming. Mm -hmm. uh, the last two months, we're onboarding people remotely uh, mm -hmm. and also in different time zones, which is a huge challenge. Of course. Um, yeah, but um, um, yeah, we're building a team. We're building a really, really strong group. And we have, I think we have a really good uh, understanding of the people we kind of want to have as well, as yeah. far as the culture we want to build. So it helps a lot. And we've, I think we interviewed 
people who are really independent and uh, are, uh, they have like this can do attitude, mm -hmm. which is really important for us. And also they're constructive and kind. Yeah. And then when they were thrown into the situation, they basically just saw it as another challenge. So we we're fine. It was like more, okay, we need to work from home and we have a person in Brazil and a person in India and the core team is in Europe and we need to find how to work with the time zones. Mm. And people are like, okay, no, we can do it. We, we actually, we're not afraid of this challenge. So it's really great from that regard. Yeah, of course. I mean, we, I mean, there are some crazy, some crazy sort of environments and relationships and situations. Um, my my brother-in-law, he works for Spotify. He's a product manager actually at Spotify. Mm -hmm. And um, the the day that Spotify and most businesses in Stockholm said that it was going to be work from home for like the next two months, um, they had a couple of guys who flew out from Johannesburg in South Africa to interview in Sweden. So they had to interview from this hotel room randomly in Stockholm. Oh wow! Exactly, and go straight back to Johannesburg. So it was a really, I mean, hugely kind of time wasting trip for actual travel but just some really really crazy things like that have had to happen um how, how do you how do you balance that with the time zone specifically because loads of people have that problem right now and i'm sure it's not easy it's not easy i think what we made as an agreement um is our core meetings are going to be in core hours that it's they're fine for everyone Me, and it's not a lot of hours we're talking about between 11 a.m to maybe 2 p.m where 11 is sketchy and two is sketchy. So like preferably 12 to one, um, which is our lunchtime for here in Europe, but um, it's fine for us. I mean, and, and what we're trying to do a lot is to have an agenda for each meeting and we're recording meetings now on Zoom. So we're posting them on our private channel so you can go and check it out if you weren't there. And we try to keep minutes. We write like meeting notes and we share them. We're not doing it like it's not perfect i'm not gonna give you like a sales pitch of how we're amazing at it sure. um some meetings we forget some meetings we're too busy to write notes some meetings are just uh the person writing notes actually is so much uh, has so much attention to writing notes that they forget that they're participating in a meeting and we lose perspective yeah. sure. um but it's still better than it was a couple, I don't know, like a month ago when we didn't do that. And then we were scheduling meetings for people at 5 or 4 a.m. And they felt they're obligated to join. Um, I think we're still <laughs> growing and we're still learning a lot. So it's going to take a bit more time. And if, if things really will be, if things are continuing to work well as they are, then we're not in a rush to go back to the office. Yeah, sure. So we're going to actually kind of get better at it. And that's like a, even when we will get back to the office, let's say in August or something, mm -hmm. uh, assumption, not, yeah, yeah. not if anyone from my team listening, um, <laughs> sure. back in August, I'm saying, I'm assuming maybe it's a, it's a chance. <laughs> yeah. that will. Um, at least we kind of get kind of to try out what it really means to work in a remote environment mm. um, and get better. It's like, it's another tool. That's another skill set that we're actually acquiring now, accidentally, yeah. accidentally yeah. acquiring it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think a lot of people have kind of hard, right? So they're not pleased coronavirus happened, but I think the opportunity to work remotely, it's like this global experiment that so many companies have wanted to really try. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you know, even within Delivery Hero, perhaps and different teams, I mean, every, everyone has a different approach to that, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Twitter yesterday, like Twitter, yeah. the, the company, yeah, like uh, Twitter tweeted yesterday that from now on, <laughs> Um, their employees are not, uh, they can, from this point on, they can just stay and work from home yeah. permanently. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, which is crazy. Think about that. Like a company at that size basically gets a chance to try out something that they probably would have never tried before. Yeah, and everyone re reminds everyone that GitLab has been doing remote since the beginning, mm -hmm. but GitLab is tiny. Yeah. GitLab doesn't have the same scale of Twitter. Twitter to, to let to the huge, like GitLab is basically like a, like a sailboat where Twitter is a, it's an oil tanker. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Like you, like you cannot, like if you want to tell the, to make an oil tanker do a 180 degree turn, it takes it hours. <laughs> um, so imagine that the Twitter just got like someone to flip it immediately and they can try it out now and they're fine saying, Oh, it's fine. It's actually not the worst thing ever. People are productive. They're happier. Sure. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, we, we've seen so many interesting things. And I think it's not about being, you know, too far either way. It's about finding a balance. Um, look, I, I absolutely love my children, but I could probably be <laughs> them the best right now. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's, you know, for me, just to have a really good run at, at the day. Like, 
I, I, I need to be in the office a few days easy for, for the week. Um, but, you know, everyone has a different environment. And, you know, I think some people have found that they're like really, really productive. Um, and I guess it's been quite eye-opening for, for leaders as well. Um, yes. you know, have, and I guess every, every person's situation is, is completely different, um, you know, with regards to home life and their setup. But have you, see, have you been surprised by some people and how they've reacted or how well they've adapted, I guess, to it as well? I'm actually, I'm, I'm shocked at how well my, my, my team adapted generally, yes. Mm. Um, we were, we planned a bit, like we knew it's coming. There was a time that we said it's not a matter of, of, of if, it's when. Yeah. So we kind of created our own team manifesto. We talked about how we want to work. We talked about how socializing is important for us. We created a coffee Slack channel yeah. where we just ping everyone, hey, let's have a coffee. And we don't talk about work. We just chat. Yeah. Um, exactly. And those things worked really well. But I didn't expect that it would work that well. We were onboarding six people that, yeah. that joined us at that time. We have now more. Mm. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised. Don't get me wrong. It's not it's not as well as being in the office. I think it's still more productive to be in the office. Yeah. Uh, mostly because we, whatever we gain in quietness for some, for people without kids, it's, I can mm. get this perfect tarmac, <laughs> right? It's so straight. You can run on it. Nothing interrupts you. What sure. we do lose is um, those micro touch, like, like micro sinks, like, Oh, you're working on it. I'm working on it. Oh, if you take a look here, this is a pitfall yeah. I took. Small <laughs> things to get you in the right direction. Right now, I see it a lot that it tends to happen that people work on the same thing or people are, or one person works on something and another person had an idea and then they only talk about it in the stand-up, which is a day too late maybe. Yeah, sure. And then the person says, oh yeah, I tried to do that. Uh, all those things failed. Yeah. Steer clear. And then the day got kind of <laughs> wasted. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, it's still so much better than I expected. So no complaints here. Yeah, no, of course. And I think it's, um, I mean, you mentioned that, that sort of stuff. I think it's, it's like those water cooler chats, you know, where, oh, let's just grab a quick coffee. I've got this, you know, this, this challenge or this problem is causing me some frustration. You miss those touch points, I think. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I mean, I, I genuinely really like the people that I work with. You know, I do actually I miss actually having having that relationship and you know just being around people I think in general and again I love my wife as well she's, she's pretty cool but um but yeah I miss, I miss, I miss the guys and girls as well <laughs> but um but for, for you as a company as well I guess it's every company is having to like take stock of what they're going to be doing moving forwards um you know even post lockdown and I think most people will find probably will at least give more flexibility to their to their teams did you think that's the way you're going to go and you're going to give people more choice i guess on how they work i mean so working for a, a big company a lot of it is, is the policies of the organization yeah so i'm not going to speak out of my ass right now yeah, and yeah, give yeah, promises fine. i cannot like yeah, i'm not going to write checks that i can't uh, cash but <laughs> I, I would say this um i think before um corona we kind of did like it was more of a kind of a manager's agreement like you want to work from home today you have something that's fine I think now it's going to be a bit easier to kind of discuss, oh, maybe a day a week as a unit. Um, a day a week is, is a great opportunity to actually have the touch points in the office, socialize, but also have a day of focus, focused work. Yeah. Um, and we, are, we already know, we already have the tools to do that. And this is the cool part because we had to take all the tools now for remote working. Like we have a retrospective remote tool. We have a programming uh, tool. We have all those things now are there. So it's no longer the, the old problems that if a person goes remote and they're like, ah, oh, but how can I do this with that person? Or how can the person participate in this meeting? Now we're fine. So I think it's going to be a very interesting. It's just going to be a matter of what, what is the team? Honestly, like it's because you cannot copy cargo code of one to the other. So if a team can do that and they can do fully remote, awesome. If a team can't do any of it, awesome um i guess some some the truth is probably going to be in the middle for most of us yeah um so if a team is going to be settling on a day or two a week in the office or remote and and kind of manage it awesome yeah, sounds yeah. good to me yeah definitely definitely um and how have you you know i to, to kind of take it back so i mean so some of the stuff that i'm really keen to kind of get into as well is just around 
you know, you, you touched on culture a few times as well. And I think culture, you know, in terms of what we do and we partner with very early stage companies and even much bigger companies, um, the, the culture is one of the first things that we ask about because it's, the, in my opinion, you know, the most crucial part, you know, it's how you work in that team, what that company is known for, what you're ultimately going to be known for, I guess, as well. Um, yes. And you can look at it from many different angles, I guess. And, you know, a lot of people have a different sort of opinion on what that should be. Um, how, how do you kind of approach that? You know, and I guess maybe has it been different to joining a bigger company like Delivery Hero to when you were working with startups in terms of how you see culture and how you can change it? Of, of course. I mean, I think, first of all, I guess in a startup, um, in the beginning of a startup, what you want are those um, very young, very driven people to make things work, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, because the mindset of a startup is most likely we're going to fail anyhow. <laughs> so let's make something work because otherwise, otherwise <laughs> we're definitely failing. Yeah. Um, so that's a specific culture that you want to hire for, right? Like you, you want to have go-getters. You want to have people who probably care less about the details, but they just care about rapidly making new and new things maybe the code is not great but they care about the outcome yeah um and then you go to the second phase which after you made it work let's say you grew your startup actually didn't fail after a year Mm -hmm. and then you basically go in a different direction it could be making it uh work right Mm -hmm. making it scalable right making it actually make you be able to add more features now because now it's a different mindset because you're probably producing less and most of the people who are like rapid fire like to produce stuff they usually quit in those phases Um, and then you to bring people who are more they more actually like to clean up let's call them the cleanup crew development team (laughs) they basically look at stuff like oh why did you this oh this is terrible let's let's organize and then get you to the point where you can actually do stuff again and and not have this brittle kind of broken system that breaks every day um and then you can kind of think about what, what are your, this is the point where actually it's a really interesting, like step three, which is figure out what are your new problems. Like, for example, let's say you have an organization, you made it work, you made it work well. Mm-hmm. Now ask yourself, what, am I customer driven? Do I need people who actually are, can tend to my customers? Like, do I give a really good service to my customers or do I have a lot of, for example, internal users? Maybe I need to be more internal automation and processes driven. Mm. And these are minor touch points you can actually work on with your team to give them the focus of what they need to be. And that's also changes between team to team. I mean, a really good example, I think, would be um, something that we plan to do, <laughs> Delivery Hero, with my team, my group. Um, but we didn't, but we probably will still do, is we are working on logistics. Basically, we're talking about delivery people mm. on a bike, on, in a car, um, on a scooter, walking, um, delivering food, and we affect their lives. Basically, we make cust- we deliver food to customers, but our main users are logistics operation people who are creating those things, and it affects riders. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do to actually set the tone of the culture uh, is to actually do a rider shift and a logistics operation shift, and we're planning to do that until Corona started. Yeah. But we are going to do that after. I mean, feeling that shift, feeling what it means to have a software um, that kind of dictates where you need to go and how and to feel a mistake is really important because then we're not making decisions like, uh, I don't know, scientists with a white lab coat, lab conditions, thinking about the feature. We actually can actually kind of take it and think about how it works in real life, how it felt when I was on a bike, how it feels when it's raining. Um, and to do that every quarter that's like basically my my goal is with my team every quarter we leave our office and on a bike in a car you don't have to drive you can even be just like next to the driver I mean just participate in it just to see what we're doing for people and how it affects their day-to-day that's for example sets a culture to be very user-driven which is what I want this is like a culture I want to build yeah, of course. And, and, and it's so important. I think it can be really easy to, to overlook things like that. Um, and, you know, it can be really easy to think, right, we need to get as many deliveries out as possible. We need to do X, Y, and Z. We need to maximize profits, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, but you know, you could be wearing down the, the people who are your middlemen who are getting you there <laughs> as well. I mean, and, and there is, you can actually measure that in metrics and, and see if it makes sense or not, right? Like you can look at the retention of how much, how much money do we actually spend on acquiring new riders because they're burnt out and people are leaving. Yeah. So if you make the riders' lives better, then you probably need to actually make, I don't know, spend less on recruiting them and you actually have more retention. So you can actually use uh, business KPIs. KPIs are key performance indicators for those who don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't use acronyms. Um, but you can actually measure that and say, what we're doing and by doing that, it actually makes sense because from the business perspective, it also makes sense. And it's not, so it's a really nice thing to do as humans and it's also a really nice thing to do as a business. So it's a really, it's, it's honestly, it's the easiest sale I can actually give to, to anyone. As my manager, for example, heard me about those things as well. That's the easiest pitch I can have. Yeah, of course. And um, I mean, have you had times sort of in the past, and I guess everyone has these, everyone, you know, when you've got a, a bigger team as well, you've got different opinions, you know, different perspective, all of these kind of things, right? It's, in my opinion, sorry, in my experience, it's been fairly rare that everyone is completely nailed on in full agreement, right? So yeah. um, how, how do you approach that, you know, when you have pushback or disagreements? I have, I have a joke that I always tell. Um, it's, it kind of relates to hiring seniors. If you have eight seniors, you have eight different opinions that are pushing to eight different directions. <laughs> um, and honestly, I think a lot of it, the problem here is most companies are hiring seniors only. Mm. Um, I love seniors. They're super important. But if, if a team is full of seniors, then how can it be like you're old and mediocre, right? Like <laughs> it cannot be that your setup is seniors only. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the problems are exactly that. So one is when, if you hire, that's the easy part. You can hire people who are more pragmatic, um, more solution oriented, people who are constructive um, and, and kind of set that tone um, and, and make sure that the people who can communicate um, and, and kind of inspire, convince that's super important, right? Like that's something that you need to have in that, in that realm of, of seniors. Um, but when you have a team already that you're inheriting, it's, it's traits that you kind of need to, to work on. You mm -hmm. need to train people how to, like if you tell your product manager, we need to refactor this thing because it's shit, for mm -hmm. example, which is a normal thing to do. I mean, it's a normal thing to say, sorry. Yeah. The product manager is not going to care. I mean, well, I don't care. I'm a director of engineering. And if someone tells me we need to refactor, it's because it's shit. I'm like, Oh. <laughs> why, why do I care? <laughs> yeah. But if someone tells me, listen, we need to refactor this because every time work on it, it breaks. And 50, it actually adds 15% of slowdown to our work. It will take me two weeks to fix it. And by that, we achieve 15% more velocity. Yeah. I would be like, oh my God, do it yesterday. Start yesterday already. Why are, why are you? Of course, it's, it's like hyperbolic. And yeah. there, there's a lot of things in the middle. But we need to find ways to communicate with each other where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and again, going back to the senior part, which is, uh, I don't know, my pet peeve. Mm -hmm. Having a team, let's say you have a team of six, seven developers. If you have a setup where 30% of your development team are seniors, 40% of them are mid-levels, and 30% of them are juniors, you have a perfect setup mm -hmm. because you have 30% people who can take on really difficult things and pair program and train others. You have two seniors. And even if you have, like, they don't agree, you can kind of split. You can kind of compartmentalize them. You can give them different tasks so they don't need to work together. You have eager juniors who really, really want to learn and they just want to listen to those seniors. Mm. So whatever you do, you can actually pair them together. And you have those mid-levels who just want to take the next step that are starting to form opinions, but they still can actually learn they still can drive the seniors forward but still can be kind of the seniors can push them as well this is lovely this setup is beautiful and that's generally how i always see teams um which is for me i'm honest here about berlin um in my first years i was really frustrated by, by berlin mm -hmm. because berlin is really focused on bringing talents from abroad yeah. So if you do that, why would you bring a junior? That's the mentality, right? Like, why would I bring a junior if I'm going to relocate the junior? Sure. And, and the answer is because it actually is going to be more effective. Mm -hmm. That's why. And don't relocate the junior. Find the junior in the university. Create connections with people here. And if you don't have them, then yeah, relocate the junior. That's fine. Sure. I mean, 
it's about the setup of it. And I know I'm maybe rambling or I'm, I'm really passionate about this. I'm, yeah, I'm emotional. Well, it's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's really frustrating to have eight seniors because you know that they, there are tasks that they shouldn't do. It's a waste of their time and money. Like it's a waste of money for the organization, a waste of their time. They're frustrated if they're doing stupid bugs or creating another API endpoint. Sure. But you just want to have those seniors. And then, of course, they would fight. They're bored. Of course, they're going to be bored. You have, a, you have basically a person who has 15 years of craftsmanship doing something that a junior would do. So, yes, they're going to fight. They're, they're just looking for something to do. When I'm bored, I'm shitposting on Twitter. <laughs> sure. So, <laughs> it's natural. It's natural. And exactly. I, I think it's um, – I mean, you've touched – probably in, you've touched on something there which is really hitting home to every single recruiter or talent manager in the world right now and I think um, you know we, we've got so many clients even right now where it's like look it's tough times I, I can only take seniors it's like okay like um, you're missing out on so much talent like so much potential we, we've got um we've got a client who are, who are based in, in San Francisco and um just a, it's a real kind of joy from a breath of fresh air perspective to work with because um, they, they look for like really, really super bright machine learning engineers, deep learning engineers um, who traditionally in most businesses will have had to have done a PhD or have a very, very specific, um, you know, even having a PhD in computer science or artificial intelligence. Not just that, but you have to have released X amount of publications in this topic on this thing. It can be pretty crazy, right? Um, and these guys actually went through um, a huge, huge acquisition with a team of like guys, guys and girls who were like two to five years experience. Um, and the way that they approach is that we, we want to harness talent and give them the platform to reach their potential um, rather than it's never going to work. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a big, big football fan. Um, and you know, if you had 11 Ronaldo's on the pitch, um, you know, you, you're never going to have the, the best team, right. Just cause you've got technically the best stuff. So, so yeah, it yeah. seems, yeah, it's music to my ears to listen to you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's weird that it needs to be said, but apparently it does. And that's, the, that's the weird part, but um, I don't know. Uh, look at Facebook. It was created by some students in a dorm room. Mm. Uh, and it's a giant organization now that is maybe one of the more advanced, has the more advanced tech in, in the world currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hate it or not. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not on Facebook, but generally you oh. can appreciate the work that was done there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't done by seniors. It was done by just random kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, and I think we as, as people in the industry, we, ha- we have this tendency to think that students or, or, or people with a year or two experience, they have no clue what they're doing, which is wrong. And a lot of the time, those people, they make a lot of mistakes, don't get me wrong. Um, they, they try to push for new things a lot of the time. But most of innovation that I had in my career came from new joiners that are really new. They had a fresh perspective. They pushed for a new technology because they read about it and it was cool. I don't know. I was too old to read about it stuff anymore. Uh, I mean, so they bring a lot of added value that we have to actually start appreciating. And part of that added value is being eager and actually to do whatever they, they get a chance to do. Yeah. They're, not, they're not actually rolling their eyes if they need to add a new endpoint. They're looking at them like, oh my God, I can add a new endpoint to the API <laughs> because it's new for them. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. It, it gives also the right focus. It's super important. As, as you said, yeah have 11 Ronaldo's, right? Like you've had that experiments in, 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 uh, with the Galacticos, for example. It doesn't work. Yeah. You, do, you have one ball, right? And you have all those, the, all those people who crave the ball. That's a problem. You have one, like if you have seven seniors in a team and you have one task super important and six bugs to fix that are small, yeah. everyone is going to want that one task, right? Like everyone needs that thing. So Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of ego. For sure. Just just on that point as well, I mean, because that, that's a really good point, and I've spoken about this with a few people over the years. Um, you know, it, it's exactly as you just said, right? You know, there's this really kind of super interesting, complex, uh, you know, problem that you have. Everyone wants to put their hand up for that, right? And you know, everybody wants to come into that. How do you, how do you manage that? How do you do you have to sort of do it over time, and is it almost like you balance it, or I guess it depends, right? But I mean, I, I truly believe that, that what's important is the agreement you, the team makes. 
Um, and for me, the, the, the agreement that we made as a unit was we have a backlog. Um, the product manager always keeps the backlog prioritized, meaning first thing on the backlog is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Whenever I'm done with something, I take the first thing I can that I can do. If I'm a junior, I look at something like, mm, maybe, I, maybe I prefer not to than not. But that's the agreement. So it's kind of first, first in, first out kind of situation. Wow. So whatever you're, you're done with something, you pick it up next thing. Um, what we are trying to do is because, yes, doing, writing the code, that's usually, damn, I'm sorry. That's the easy part. <laughs> the hard part is to actually look at it and understand how to do it and, and, and what it is, right? And what we do is we have a task breakdown between the devs where they sit and they look at something, they analyze it, and they communicate. The idea is communication. And then it doesn't matter if a mid-level does it or a senior. What, what's important is a senior and a mid-level and junior, they looked at it, they saw the classes, they saw what's right, what's not, and they kind of they had a, a brief, let's call it a, a a uh, small upfront design, um, but they had like a very small understanding of what are the moving pieces, an agreement of maybe how to look at it, not how it's going to look in the end or how it's going to be solved, but uh, pain points, maybe be careful, this is a rabbit hole, oh, this looks like an interesting idea, we can explore, sure. and then people do it. And that's, that's where seniors are more important to me, yeah. is, is exactly those type of meetings, it's like this knowledge sharing, Mm -hmm. um, and as far as how to manage those, um, I want to do this thing because it's important. Whenever there are big things, um, you kind of can also tell a person, listen, um, I think you have the right fit for this. Um, and a person might actually come to you and say, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can break it down to pieces. <clears throat> it really depends on the size of each task. Um, but generally, I think really important in that regards is more to... Um, to create an agreement as a team, like how you work. And if you work with like top of the backlog, what's important, create something, it's great. If a manager, I don't know, I don't think a lot of tech companies do that, but maybe in other professions, a manager assigns those things, mm -hmm. then part of assigning those things is actually just that you need to manage those egos or you kind of have to just give and take. Sure. Um, which, yeah, yeah. which comes with its own uh, and a bag of worms there. Yeah, no, it really does. It really does. And I guess a lot of it, what you're kind of talking about there around having that, that agreement, a lot of that starts with the people that you hire, I guess. Um, you know, you can be an awesome principal, like super, super experienced guy, but you can still be a nice person. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're, you're, you know, you don't want to help. And I guess you've probably rejected a lot of people over the years because they're just not going to fit your culture and your team, you know, and some great developers yeah. as well. That's, that's the, like anyone who ever interviewed with me, um, I'll give you a tip. I don't do code challenges mm -hmm. for <laughs> development positions. I have developers to do that. <laughs> I mean, and we do something relatively, I think most of what's important for me is, and I, this is the thing I actually reject most on is the fit. I mean, the, the product mindset, the, the, are you user driven? Are you kind? Are you constructive? Um, and, and I, can you learn and do you want, are you, you are, do you have this eager to learn? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're a senior or a junior, like, do you want to learn? Do you want to grow? All those things together for me are more important than if you can write a line of clean code or, you know, solid principles or not, I can teach anyone to write code in a year. I cannot teach anyone mm -hmm. to be kind and to be, to be, uh, to have eagerness to learn, to sure. be un not sarcastic, to actually want to do things ever. Like I don't, I don't think there is an, any time in the world that I can actually teach those skills mm. um, to get it to the level of the people I want, at least. If you don't have them, then kind of, it's not good for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's, that's the thing, you know, with, with something which is a learned skill, you know, no developer just wakes up one day and is the best developer in the world, the best coder. Of course. Um, you know, same for sales, same for, you know, sports, I guess, a lot of the time, a lot of it is, is earned, you know, well, you have to have talent, but a lot of it is, is earned. Um, I think, yeah, that sort of mindset and the approach and just your, your general sort of outlook and, and the way that you, you attack something is, is super important. And, and you can't 
you can't teach or train that obviously so um look, I'm, I'm really conscious of time Look, i could literally speak to you for hours and hours so um we, we will have to maybe look to to get like a bit of a, a bit of a series in because there's so much i'm really keen to go into with you as well but um i mean some of the kind of things i'd like to to sort of discuss as well because i'm con- conscious that we both have children we both have uh, have partners who are I mean, my wife actually, you couldn't hear her, but she crept in stealthily to get another glass of wine in the background. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's pretty good. She's pretty good. I've been training her well. But um, what, what is, well, for you personally, what, what does the future look like? Do you just continue on a, and it's a tough one, like, <laughs> you know, um, but what, what does it look like? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to kind of, yeah, get into? I mean, it's fair. I ask that. I ask my developers or my engineering managers that all the time. So it's fair that someone will ask me once. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I honestly kind of love what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't see myself taking the management next step mm-hmm. of being managing directors or like being a CTO, VP of a huge organization. Sure. I kind of actually like being close to the ground a bit. So in that regards, growing my team currently, organically grow it um, and then see what happens from there. Mm-hmm. But no, no plans. Um, I am writing a book, which I plan or planned before Corona to finish now, but uh, I really hope to finish it in the next month about management. Nice. Um, I think this is, this is basically, this is, I think it's actually, maybe it's, I don't know, if, I don't think it's sad. Actually, I think I'm at the perfect spot for me right now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I'm kind of content. I was going to say, well, this comes back to the earlier point that we were making is that, you don't always have to strive for that next thing. You know, you can actually be like, really happy. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, you know, most people, well, a lot of people, unfortunately, will never get their sort of consent place, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And you see a lot of people in many different walks of life and socially, I suppose, where you're kind of trying to be maybe something that you're not and, and what have you. And yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes a, a bit of a mistake, I guess, to realize that, no, actually, this is what I want to do. Um, so yeah, so I think that's that's great. <laughs> to be honest with you, it sounds really good. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm very happy. I have a growing team. If it organically grows a bit more, fine. Mm. I think I really like this being close to. So I still am an on call. I'm like uh, every like we have a on call because we're providing services twenty four seven, and I'm still in the rotation. And I still like that every six weeks I tend I get to have a week where I feel. The pain, I get to feel the heartbeat of our system. I wake up in the middle of the night and I fix stuff. I feel an engineer. I don't think I will do that as a VP or an exec. You don't have time for those. And then it's mostly becoming a financial person for your department. Yeah, of course. I kind of still like having this feeling like like a pretend engineer. I'm not really an engineer. I'm not writing code anymore. But once in a while, I can talk about something or I can see a discussion about architecture design. I can have my input. And... Once in a, like once every six weeks, I become an on-call engineer and actually write some code and I deploy stuff to production. I feel kind of awesome about that. So I, this is actually a wonderful situation for me. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, it's, it's, it's really good. And it's such a, such a relevant point as well. I mean, when, when we set, gathered and found up, so my business partner and I, we were running big teams and uh, big companies in London. And, you know, literally from the first day when we were really kind of back to, to the stuff that we were doing like 10 years ago, um, it really was like a bit of a light bulb moment that this, I've actually missed doing the real kind of hands-on day-to-day stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I was passionate about what I do because I love helping companies. I love building those relationships. Um, and the sort of, I guess the higher up you go, you, you definitely lose touch with that. Um, so yeah, I, I've loved doing that. And I think it's, it's probably given me maybe a new outlook on where I want our company to be, or we want our company to be rather. So yeah, it's great. And we would have never kind of experienced that if, if we hadn't sort of done, done what we've done, I suppose. But, um, but look, it sounds really, really exciting. And I'm sure there's a lot more, uh, kind of great work that, that you're going to be doing with Delivery Hero as well. Um, have you got any more triathlons sort of coming up anything in the planet? No. <laughs> No, I did my last Ironman um, three and a half years ago. My son was born three years ago. Um, Since then, I'm struggling to keep in proper shape. So I still cycle. I still jog a bit. Mm. um, But sadly, no triathlons planned. And my spouse is eight months pregnant. So So nothing anytime soon. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To be, to be fair, I mean, I've generally looked at my children as a pretty good excuse not to do stuff. <laughs> so it's um, just, a, just a small one. But, but no, but, but what, what, was, what was the training like for that? It was a pretty oh, it, I mean, that, that's the thing. Maybe that's also like my excuse because I was a swimmer when I was a kid and, and, and then I went to the army and then I started doing triathlons. It's, it's since my son was born, it's the first time I'm not in a training routine. Yeah. yeah sure. um, so I don't know, like the Ironman used to be between 20 to 25 hours a week of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, usually the weekends were like the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Saturdays used to be like uh, my running day, which I used to do between 20 to 35 kilometers, depends on, like, on where you are on the day yeah. before the race um of running and then after that immediately 40 to 80 kilometer cycling and my sundays used to be between 120 to 160 kilometer cycling followed by 10 to 15 kilometer running and then the rest of the week was swimming uh, intervals that, whatever that that is a do you know what that i've never actually heard somebody explain to me the training that goes into it it sounds you have to love that i imagine Oh yeah, no, I, I loved it. I, I think I, I miss it as well. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm complaining. Uh, uh, I think my spouse hears it a lot from me. Is mm-hmm. the thing that I'm really struggling with is, is the concept of, um, of like suffering a bit. Sure. I, I it sounds crazy, but I, I have a pitch here. <laughs> so I'm I'm relatively stressed, and I think a lot about work, and I think a lot about what I need to do. And funnily enough, when I was training for the Ironman, I wasn't. And it wasn't because I had the chance to think about, I didn't have a chance to think. I knew I have to wake up at 4 a.m. I knew I have to be on the bike. And then when I was on the bike, I wasn't thinking about work tomorrow. I was thinking about breathing because I'm tired. Sure. I, I just like want to be alive. So I just need to take another deep breath. Uh, yeah, yeah. So those things actually are the things that I loved about it and the things that I'm missing. Um, but uh, yeah, but also, I mean, like, it's wonderful. I, I'm, I, I think it's a really lovely thing to, to achieve as like a check mark yeah, yeah. as well. But also, it's so cycling, for example, has this added value that you can actually do some sports and find yourself in a place you've never been before. Yeah, yeah. And it's really ingrained in cycling, cyclist culture um, to stop for a coffee somewhere. Yeah. And I used to do that. And I love that. I just went 70, 80, 90 kilometers out of Berlin and there was a coffee place and I just stopped and had a coffee yeah, at yeah. a place I've never been with mm-hmm. locals kind of awesome yeah yeah of course yeah definitely i think that that's why you know cyclists it, it's a real that's a culture in itself and a real sort of yeah. cult following i guess um I, i'm not sure how great i would look in in the lagra to be honest with you but who knows maybe i'll try one <laughs> one time <laughs> i mean no one does that's why you ride in a group because yeah, then you blend that's in <laughs> that's a good point you can't single anyone out specifically um sure. Try to wear basketball clothes if you go cycling with cyclists. You'll you'll be the weird one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Okay, I see. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it's um no no. I think it's yeah. It takes super dedication to do anything like that. Um yeah. I think this kind of lockdown as well. I think it's made a lot of people get back to their, their fitness sort of programs and it's it, it's pretty much the only escape most people have really from from the house yeah. or the flat. Yeah. Um and yeah, I think for, for us as well, we quite luckily we um we got a gym. Uh, in, in the garage we, we moved when we had our second child so we we've got lots of good weights and stuff in there which that's my escape you know at the moment as well um when i'm speaking to to ctos that will only hire senior and principal developers <laughs> i go in there and, and <laughs> but but no but it's um yeah no, it's, it's really cool and i think that there's a lot of it probably says a lot about your character i think as well in terms of your commitment and you know hopefully how how you look after to your team as well i'm sure there's I'm hoping there's going to be a lot of people that want to reach out to you for sure um, after this. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but I was going to say just on that, I mean, are you happy for, for people to get in touch for, you know, like advice or just to, to catch up? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, basically find me on Twitter. It's uh, Hell Shabby, H-E-R-R-S-H-A-B-I. Yeah. Um, people just feel free to just write any message you want. I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm too available there. So. <laughs> that's the best way to reach me i'm also available on linkedin but kind of mm. not really yeah uh, yeah also a place to find me 
Of course, yeah, a little bit too corporate for, <laughs> for, for the, like, the Twitter side. That's where I reached you, though. So I'm glad you got back to me at least, anyway. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But, but look, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, like, as I said, I think we, we could spend a huge amount more time going into this. But uh, yeah, I'm cautious people don't have a huge amount of time now, anyway, with balancing work and, and, and private lives. But no, I'd, I'd absolutely love to sort of catch up with you in, in a few months' time and see where you're at with things for sure. Um, how things have changed, you know, your journey you know what, what it's been like for you because i think you know if we jump back to february time nobody thought we'd be here so um, you know from now i'm hoping we're going to be in a much different place it may be yes. maybe worse we you know everyone's keeping fingers crossed but um but look th thanks for your time look as um as Brad said you know he's continuing to, to onboard his team and, and scale his team so if you're a really, really awesome senior, mid-level or junior developer, get in touch. <laughs> and um, yeah, equally, equally from our side, you know, Gather and Found, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of work in, in Berlin. If there's anyone reaching, reaching out, wants advice or support in any way, we're, we're here to help. So um, thanks for your time. I will, uh, I will let you get back to, to your family. <laughs> it was a pleasure being here. And thanks for actually this really fun interview or discussion. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, good. Good. No, I really appreciate that. And yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 the following is, is, is getting really, really great now. We're getting a lot of good feedback. So pass the, uh, pass the pod and, and take point Charlie as well from your side, uh, you know, with, with the yeah. stuff you guys are doing is really cool. So, um, yeah, yeah, thanks. yeah, no, 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 I really appreciate it. Yeah. Have me on at any time to talk about uh, talent. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I really appreciate it. Have a, have a great evening. I'll catch you soon. Okay. Cool. Cheers. Bye. Bye. bye.